Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Short line out for Ricky. Delivered quickly. Oh, McDermott got nailed. Absolutely nailed by Scott Barrett. And the All Blacks are in. Oh, what a try. Big contact. Ball's lost forward. Out of the hands. Frizzell scores. Roygaard slings a wide. Long pass. Waiting out there is Whitelock. He didn't get the ball, though. It's gone for Talia. Back inside. Rico Ioane. What a try that is. So good from the All Blacks. So good, all right. Uh, that was the call on Sky Sport with uh, Grant Nisbet. The Ian Foster's crew started strong. They ended strong. Now the better slow cup is retained for another year. Rugby championship in the bin as well. Uh, perhaps Eddie Jones needs to worry more about his own backyard uh, from here and out. It was a late kickoff for those watching back at home, but the atmosphere was electric, starting with a rousing hucker uh, met by the Wallabies offering up a boomerang and a beautiful moment in the Trans-Tasman rivalry. Uh, we're starting the show with a man who called the game, of course, calls them all, uh, by and large, uh, and he does it brilliantly as well. Morning, Nisbo, uh, safely home. G'day, Smithy. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. Yes, no, it was, uh, as you would know, the MCG is an amazing place uh, for sport. Uh, the night before, of course, Collingwood and Carlton played, and uh, that's a hell of a rivalry. And there are 86,000 there for that. Uh, the All Blacks pretty much backed that up with us, and then they played there again yesterday. And uh, no, it's, a, it's, it's a great arena uh, and a great sporting city, I might say. Yeah, I think tonight uh, it's added to by the Matildas having to beat Canada as well to stay in the Football World Cup. So, yeah, they're having a hell of a time of it in Melbourne, um, as often they do. Uh, Nispo, to deliver, live up to you, um, uh, the stadium obviously did, but uh, what about the Test match as such? You impressed by it? Yeah, I was. It was patchy. Um, you know, there were long periods of the game when the All Blacks couldn't get into it, particularly just after half time. Uh, for about the first 15 minutes of that second half, I don't think they managed to even uh, get inside the Wallaby territory. The Wallabies just hammered away. I mean, if anything, the All Blacks can take away their standing defence uh, during the match uh, because they had to make fair few tackles at times. But when they needed to score, Smithy, when uh, you know when the, when the chips were down, uh, they they came up with it, didn't they? And of course, the Wallabies didn't help themselves, getting two yellow cards. That's 20 minutes. That's a quarter of the game with only 14 players on the field. Plus the odd injury concern around the props, um, so they didn't have a great night. But I think, I think overall the All Blacks can feel pretty damn happy with it. I think maybe the score flattered us a wee bit, but um, you know you just take it. Scott Barrett, um, we heard uh, a little clip there of the tackle that he made uh, on McDermott, which led to that try. But I just think generally, and even leading into this Test match, he's been one of the players of the of uh, what I would class the early stages of this international career uh, of this international season. Yeah, look, I agree, and it's pretty hard for a tight forward to be an outstanding player. You know, they normally battle away and, uh, you know, do some good things here and there, but he was just everywhere on Saturday. He was winning line-outs, he was making huge tackles, and, and none more so than the one that resulted in that first try, and his carrying. I mean, there were times when the All Blacks were spinning a sequence together where Barrett was involved four or five times, and 
he was just outstanding. And, um, you know, if it comes to the crunch, and, and I'm not suggesting that it'll happen this week, he is an absolute must as a starter. And I think he's a must as a starter in the, either the number four or the number five shirt too. We've had this debate over the last few years about whether he should be playing six. I actually think that now Frizzell has probably sealed that position and that allows Barrett to play where he is at his most natural and that is a lock. And uh, then it becomes a question of who do you leave out, I suppose. And it's, mm. you know, three into two is always going to be a difficult uh, equation um, for Ian Foster, but a, a damn good uh, problem to have. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually. It's not one we ever thought we'd debate while well, the White Lock and uh, uh, Retallick were fit and available. Well, we are now. And Sam Whitelock as a an impact player or Retallick as an impact player? I think that's what we're talking about now. Which one would you start with? Yeah, yeah. I don't know because neither of them really had to fulfil that role over the years, have they? They've, they've always been uh, lock-in starters. Um, so where the impact comes, I'm not really sure. I mean, Whitelock came on at the weekend and played damn well, of course, but he was in a, in a team that wasn't really under the pump, let's be honest. Um, Retallick, I thought, had a relatively quiet night by his own standards, but he's still a world-class player. So I honestly don't know the answer to that one. Okay, uh, how did we uh, look without Sam Kane um, at the helm? I mean, Artie assumed the leadership side of things. Papali's performance? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, there wasn't a lot of turnover ball. Um, he was there or thereabouts. So I think where we missed Kane was probably in his um, rock-hard defence. Um, he really has become an outstanding defender, Sam Kane. Um, hard to know, you know, when you're winning by that sort of score, whether whether the leadership was uh, was uh, a factor. Uh, Hardy does the job. I think sometimes reluctantly. I mean, he captained the Hurricanes, but I, I don't know whether he's all that keen on uh, leading. I think he just prepares, uh, just is more happy to play the game. Um, so it's a bit hard to make a judgment on the, on the leadership call, but there's plenty of senior players out there, so that probably is not really a factor. But, uh, yeah, I think we did, and it'll be interesting now to see whether he is risked before the World Cup. I mean, is there any real point in putting him in Dunedin on, uh, on Saturday and again, uh, maybe at Twickenham in a couple of weeks after that. So that, that will be a factor. But yeah, I, I think, I think, um, you know, he's, uh, particularly this year, Smithy, um, there was a lot of criticism last year about, um, whether he was playing up to a standard of an All Black, or an All Black, firstly, and an All Black captain, secondly. But I think he is this year. I think he's played really well for the Chiefs and again for the All Blacks. Right, okay. Uh, let's look at an, uh, a backline, Nisbo. And uh, to be perfectly honest, there will be changes this week because he can afford to tinker. But are we seeing that starting backline? Have we seen that in the last couple of tests? I think so, yeah. I, I, I think so. Uh, injuries, uh, barring injury, I can't see much room for anybody else to force their way in. I mean, you can argue about the bench, but the starting seven, um, you'd be struggling to argue who should go in and who should come out. I can't see any changes. Uh, everybody put their hand up. You couldn't honestly point to anyone and say, well, he wasn't quite up to standard. So now it's a question of um, you know who you put on the bench. And, of course, uh, Ian Foster, about a week from now, is going to name 33 players. And I think the contention still will be around that midfield. Who... Who will go? Um, I think if a test match was being played tomorrow, a World Cup final was being played tomorrow, it's Barrett and Yuani. 
But um, who do you take as the backup? And, you know, there's a few names in contention there. Obviously, uh, David Havili um, has to come back. Anton Leonard Brown looked pretty sharp when he came on the field. Um, mm. We've got wingers to burn, let's be honest about it. But at the moment, um, there's no real problem with Will Jordan and uh, Mark Talia. They were both very, very good. And um, you've got other guys in contention there. Mm. So um, it's more a question of who you leave out than who you put in, I think, Smithy. Well, that's an interesting point because you, throughout that, uh, Nisbah, we, we never really discussed the Super Rugby player or one of the or two of the Super Rugby players of the year, uh, Mackenzie or Stevenson. They didn't even get a mention. No, well, look, I think Mackenzie is a lock-in for the World Cup um, because of that uh, ability that he has displayed to play at ten, and obviously at uh, fullback. Um, Stevenson was there as cover. He's still there. Um, but I just don't know whether, you know, you'd, you'd expect him, if, if he remains in contention, I think he'd have to get a run this week, either starting or off the bench. Other than that, uh, I think probably his chances are pretty slim. Same applies to uh, Dallas McLeod, you know. Um, he came in with a, a fair old fanfare when the All Black team was announced, but he hasn't been cited. Um, so whether they have to give him a crack and an opportunity maybe to say, you know, I want to go to France... Um, that's why this week is going to be really, really interesting to see which players actually get a run. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if you if you aren't in the mix this weekend, then I think you're, you're looking like staying home and watching it with the, the rest of us back here. Look, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Wallabies. Of course, uh, an afternoon game this weekend, which I, I find quite interesting and under the roof, but that's cool. Well, I guess it's because it clashes with something. Is, is there a definitive reason why, Nisby? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's more to do with FIFA than anything else, uh, Smithy. I think uh, FIFA have sort of um, uh, hijacked these stadiums around New Zealand, uh, fair enough, over the next for the next month or so. And um, in, a, in, a, in a strange sort of way, they've um, they've conceded that um, the All Blacks can play at one of their grounds. But I think there is some sort of stipulation that it can't clash. With any of the mat- any of the FIFA uh, Women's World Cup matches, so uh, presumably somewhere in maybe New Zealand or Australia next Saturday evening there is a game, and they they don't want to clash. So they've said you can have the stadium, but you're going to have to play it at a certain time, and that's why it's being played in the afternoon. It's quite intriguing to have someone boss rugby around like that, I've got to say, particularly in this neck of the woods. Hey, uh, Nisbo, um, that's the other thing. I understand that the All Blacks, uh, for the bulk of this week, are going to do their preparations in Christchurch. I would imagine that's for the, pretty much the same reason, because FIFA aren't in Christchurch. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sensible, isn't it? There's probably not a lot of grounds available down there in Dunedin. And so you're right, the All Blacks are in Christchurch. I think they flew there yesterday. Right, okay, uh, let's uh, briefly look at uh, Eddie Jones's plight, and I think it is a bit of a plight now, and more injury uh, problems. I think uh, Alan Ala-Alatoa is uh, perhaps gone from the World Cup, which is one of his strengths. Uh, I mean, he's a leader as well, so another issue for Eddie Jones. I mean, uh, he's either playing a hell of a game of bluff or he's in big trouble, I reckon. Yeah, look, I remember thinking uh, back to 2015 when Michael Checker took his team to the World Cup and I, I don't know whether the form was quite as bad as what um, eight years on uh, the Wallaby form is, but of course they got all the way through to the final. They've got a nice draw at the World Cup, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the All Blacks are certainly on the tougher side of the draw. 
Um, so there won't be too many excuses when they get to France, really, because uh, their opposition won't be anything like uh, what the All Blacks have to face. But nevertheless, um, I think it just shows up again the lack of depth in Australian rugby. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And uh, they're just on one of those cycles where they haven't got too many world-class players. If you were naming a world team tomorrow, I'd, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think you'd find any Wallabies in there, Smithy. So, um, yeah, and it was, you know, and, and to lose their captain in the night and then the guy that came on and replaced him, he was, um, he was dinged early as well. And it called into question the depth in Australian rugby big time, didn't it? And, uh, yes, he has some real issues. He's got... He's got some talented players, but whether they're going to show that talent in the immediate future, I'm not sure. It was a brave move to go with McDermott and Carter Gordon. Uh, didn't really come off. Um, I thought Gordon's uh, kicking was pretty average on occasions, but he is the future of Australian uh, number 10 rugby. You can't look at Quade, Co- uh, Quade Cooper as the future. He's... I think 35 years of age, so they've got to go somewhere, and I think this bloke will be good in the years to come, but uh, in World Cup year, things are looking pretty damn grim for them. Yeah, I think they are, absolutely, and uh, we spoke to Andrew Slack, we've spoken to Peter Fitzsimons, and uh, none of them are talking with uh, uh, great ideals or great optimism about what's coming up for them. Uh, What is coming up, though, of course, is this clash we've talked about this uh, weekend. Um, from an all-black point of view, who would you not want to risk at this point now? I mean, you name, they're naming the World Cup squad on August 7th. So this is the last outing. This is the last chance saloon. Um, or is Ian Foster, uh, Joe Smith, Jason Ryan, uh, are they pretty much sorted, do you feel? I think they are. <clears throat> I, I, I think they could probably name the team today if they really put their minds to it. But um, obviously they've got to wait. A week. I mean, the selection for this week is uh, is going to be interesting because, you know, it is a test match. Um, they don't want to lose because um, uh, that's the way the the, the All Blacks work. Um, you know, you, you simply don't go out there to lose. So therefore, uh, I think there will be changes, but they won't be too dramatic. I wouldn't think uh, the Wallabies, of course, will be all in here because uh, you know if they see it a team that hasn't got a few star All Blacks in, uh, they might smell a bit of blood in the water. So it's a delicate balance. Um, who, who, who don't you... Well, I don't think if Sam Kane is um, still just not 100%, then you don't try him. Um, you maybe you know, give Scott Barrett a rest. Uh, he's had a tough season. Give him a rest and play with Retallick and, uh, and Whitelock. Give them a go. Um, I would say there'll be some minor tinkering. You might even consider giving Damien McKenzie another run at 10. Uh, that's a possibility. I'm not sure, really, but uh, they've just got to be a little bit careful because it is a test match after all. It is, Nisbo, um, and uh, we look forward to it, uh, particularly the way they're playing. Uh, incidentally, uh, everyone seems to have dried, off, uh, dried up uh, and we're coming into this station on the, the knocking of Ian Foster, so at least he's gonna, it looks like he's going to have a fairly peaceful run into the World Cup anyway, Fozzie. Well, I, I tell you what, how much pressure is there on the Scott Robertson now that the Bledisloe Cup has been re- retained? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wants to be the first All Black coach to lose the Bledisloe Cup? Now the now the mantle shifts. It does shift. It's uh, it is, uh, and I, you know, I'm I'm right behind Ian Foster on this. He's a terrific guy, and and I don't think he's done a hell of a lot wrong. And people coming to us and say, yeah, but it's Joe Smith and it's Jason Ryan. Well, uh, it's not really Ian Foster. Well, uh, I say to them, uh, who did Jason Ryan work under? Uh, Scott Robertson for a long period of time. Yeah. 
Oh, look, I mean, a- absolutely. I mean, uh, Foster's had a tough run. There's no question about that. A lot of people weren't happy, of course, when he uh, succeeded to Steve Hansen. Then things didn't go terribly right for the first couple of seasons. But, boy, they've turned it around this year. And you cannot complain about how the All Blacks are playing this season. No, you can't, no spoke. Uh, thank you very much, mate. Uh, have a, a restful week, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. Uh, th- thank, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Good on you, Smithy. Cheers, mate.